get into the Word of God. Who's ready to learn something today? Anybody want to learn something? All right, the rest of you are just going to sit here and uh, listen to me talk. We're going to try to learn something, a few things uh, today. We're, uh, we're in a series called Resurrection in Life. And so Easter, we talked about the resurrection of Christ. And then last week, we talked about uh, water baptism and how that represents a resurrection for us. It represents um, a resurrection from the old man dying and a new man being raised to life. But Jesus said in John chapter 11, verse 25, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. That it's not just about being resurrected. You got to live afterwards. Like there needs to be some kind of life that we're pushing for, that we're walking in. And so today we did a couple weeks on resurrection and now we're going to do a couple of weeks on life. And we're going to talk about what that means for us today. Uh, Because with Christ, especially in the book of John, he hones in on one person that brings life to us and that one person is the Holy Spirit. Throughout the book of John, Jesus is constantly talking about the Holy Spirit. Then you get into the book of Acts, and it's about the Holy Spirit. And, and, and what happens, though, here's a problem that we have in church, is a lot of times when it comes to the Holy Spirit, that becomes a taboo subject in a lot of churches. The reason is, is because we don't understand everything about God. We don't understand the Trinity and how that works. And so, so we end up throwing some stuff out. I, I was talking to someone, um, I, I was just looking around because... Whenever I preach on the Holy Spirit, if I were in one particular denominational church, it would be very easy, right? If I were in a Baptist church, I would know exactly what to say about Holy Spirit and everybody would be happy. If I were in a Pentecostal church, I'd know exactly what to say and everybody would be happy, right? But, but if, I were in, um, in a, if I were in any other kind of church, it, it would be easy. The problem is with this particular church, all of you come from all kinds of different backgrounds, and you throw my preaching off. Because now whatever I say, I'm going to offend somebody in the room. So here's the problem. I'm going to just go ahead and say right from the beginning, we're all going to be offended by the end of these next two weeks. Is that fair? Even myself. I will offend my own past and belief system, if that's okay with you. We'll all get our toes stepped on and just get it over with. I was talking to someone the other day, and they walked up to me and and, and first of all, I was sitting in the back last Sunday. I had the opportunity with, with my dad speaking. Didn't he do a great job Sunday talking about baptism? Um, all right, that's enough clapping. That's enough clapping. Y'all don't clap that much for me. Can't clap that much for him. Um, so, she's uh, <laughs> so stupid. Um, so, so last week he was preaching and he gave me the opportunity to sit in the back. And we're, we're doing new live stream equipment. And so I was back there checking on all that stuff. And I started looking around the room, right? I'm looking around the room and I'm like, I'm like, okay. Uh, Baptist background, Methodist background, Church of Christ background, Church of Christ, Church of Christ, Church of Christ. we got a lot of Church of Christ right now. I don't know why. That's our new flavor of the month. And so all these different, and I'm just looking, Pentecostal background, and and I'm just looking at all these different people, and it's just amazing what God's doing. And then this week, uh, somebody walked up to me, and they were like, hey, Gabriel. I was like, yeah. And they're like, I guess we're going to start coming to your church. Like, it was like, I guess I'm going to have to do it now. You know, like, I was like, Okay, you know, and they said, but you know, we're Catholic, right? And I was like, of course you are. I mean, that's, we, I haven't seen any Catholics lately, so of course we need some Catholics. And, and last week we had some Buddhists. I mean, we had, we, we've had it all. Two weeks ago we, we had Buddhists. So, um, so it's awesome. It's awesome what, what God's doing. It just makes it hard on me. It makes it hard on me. So what we're going to do is we're going to talk about Holy Spirit. And uh, 
every, every group has their focus when it comes to the Holy Spirit. Every group has their focus. And um, some groups think that other groups are weird, right? And, and so therefore, they're like, oh, we don't want to have anything to do with Holy Spirit. Because some groups, some groups believe in the gifts of the Spirit. And if you believe in the gifts of the Spirit, you've got to believe in all the gifts of the Spirit. And one of the gifts of the Spirit is speaking in tongues. And right off the bat, people are like, nope, nope, not me, Jack. I'm not doing the tongue thing. You can heal me, and you can have faith, and you can, you know, do all, you can have discernment, but don't talk about tongues, because that's weird, and we don't want to do that. And you've got other groups that all they want to talk about is tongues. They don't care anything about the rest of it. As long as you talk about tongues, we're happy. And so what we want to do today is bring a little bit of balance to the teaching. Because here's what happens, is as men, we look at the Bible, and we pick out the parts that we really, really like. And we may not throw out anything, we just ignore certain aspects. And we hone in on the parts we really, really like. We cherry-pick the Bible. And so what we're going to do as a church is not cherry-pick. We're going to look at what the Bible actually says. Even if it doesn't agree with our past. And that's okay. That's okay. And so here's what I want to look at today. I'm going to give you a few things that the Holy Spirit is. The first thing the Holy Spirit is, is Holy Spirit is essential. Holy Spirit is essential. And and so, um, sometimes when it comes to the Trinity, like God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, we get a little bit confused. It's a little confusing. I totally agree with you on that one. Um, As a matter of fact, we've got a series coming up next month called Big Questions, and it's where we take in questions from you. And so if you have any questions, you're more than welcome to send them in. We've got a whole bunch of them already, but we would love to have more. Um, and we've already started looking through these questions. But one of the questions I often get is, how does this whole Trinity thing work? How can it be God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit? How can it all be one God, but it sounds like three gods? I don't understand what's happening. It's the same idea. The illustration I used to give when I was a children's pastor was if you take an egg, an egg is an egg is an egg, Right? But, it, but on that egg, there are three parts of the one egg. If I crack that egg open, there's a shell. That's the outside part. There's a yolk, right? And then there's the white. And so there's three parts of the same egg. It's one egg. If I told you to pass me an egg, you could pass me the shell. You could pass me the yolk. I would drop it, right? You could pass me the white part. I'd drop that too. So, so it's important to understand that God can be one God with three parts. As a matter of fact, in life, there's lots of trinities. You think about this. If you think about your finances, right? There is a trinity of finances that's very important that that if any one part of this trinity is messed up, your whole finances will be messed up, right? You've got to have income. You've got to have spending and you've got to have saving. If if any one of those things is messed up, if you don't have any income, it doesn't matter. You, You won't be able to spend or save. If you have all the income in the world, and we see this all the time with like professional athletes that, that get tons and millions and millions of dollars, but they don't know how to spend their money wisely, and then they don't have any money to save later on. And so it's a, it's a, a trinity of things. Another one is in health and fitness. You look at that, you've got a trinity of things. You've got, you've got um, movement, right? Exercise. You've got you've to move. If you just lay still all day long... You're not going to be healthy. And then you've got to have rest and you've got to have nutrition. If you don't have movement, rest, and nutrition, all three operating, you're not going to be a healthy person overall. We've got to have all of those things happening at the same time. 
And so it's important to see that life comes in trinities a lot. It comes in threes a lot. Even though it's one thing, health is one thing, it comes in three parts. Finances is one thing, it comes in three parts. God is the same way. We've got God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit. One of the ways to explain this is to understand this, that God the Father is the one that creates the plan. God the Son carries out the plan. So God the Father sees Adam and Eve sin. He says, we've got to fix that. We've got to fix sin because sin separates man from me and I want man to be with me. And so God the Father says, I'm going to create a plan. But in order to have a plan, I've got to have a perfect man. Jesus, you're up, right? So Jesus comes in. He's got to execute the plan, which unfortunately for him meant he had to get executed himself, right? And so Jesus is the one that actually fulfills the plan. But then you've got another aspect of that. You've got to have the Spirit because you've got to have somebody to administer the plan. Jesus died was buried, rose again, and then went to heaven. But there's got to be someone here on earth that draws men to Jesus. Right? That's the Holy Spirit's job. So one creates a plan, one fulfills a plan, one administers a plan. One God, three different things operating at the same time. So it's important to see that Holy Spirit is essential. He has a job and a role in the world. He has a job and a role in us. The Bible says in, in Luke chapter 3, we see all three happening. Check this out. Luke chapter 3, uh, Jesus is getting baptized. And it says in verse 21, when all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. So there's the son. As he was praying, heaven was open and the Holy Spirit descended on him in bodily form like a dove. That's two. And a voice came from heaven. You are my son. Nobody says son unless you're a father. And so the father, um, he says, whom I love and with you I'm well pleased. All three operating at the same time. Father, son, and spirit. There's a trinity. They're all essential. They're all essential. Holy Spirit is essential. And, And another thing I want to mention, it's not in my notes, but Something else I want to mention, and you'll see me go back and forth today between using the term the Holy Spirit and just regular Holy Spirit. Nobody calls me the Gabriel, right? Like, I wish they would. That would be kind of cool, like, to have that kind of title, the Gabriel. Um, But no one calls me that. They just call me Gabriel, right? When we talk about God the Father, we say God, we say Father, In the Old Testament, they had names for him that they would use, Jehovah, and they would use the names of God. When we talk about Jesus, we use his name, Jesus. But when we talk about the Holy Spirit, we say the Holy Spirit. And what happens is we take his personality away from him and we make him an it. And when he's an it, an it is not essential to my life. A person is. And God is a person, not an it. So we can't take a piece of God and say, you're an it, stay over there, when he's essential and he has a personality, because the Bible says the Holy Spirit can be offended, right? And so he has a personality, he has character, and so whenever he becomes personal to us, then he becomes essential to us, no matter what our pastor and our past told us. He's got to become essential to who we are because he's a person. The other thing I want you to notice in him being essential is Jesus even said he was essential. And if Jesus says he's essential, it really doesn't matter what I say, because Jesus trumps everything, right? So here's what Jesus said in John chapter 16, verses 7 and 8. But in fact, it's best for you. What is it? Best. Best. Say that word one more time. 
He didn't say it's good for you. He didn't say it's okay for you. He didn't say it's, it's all right if you want it. He said it's best for you. The very best thing that can happen in your life is what? That I go away. That doesn't sound right. But Jesus said it's best for you that I go away because if I don't, the advocate won't come. The advocate is the Holy Spirit. If I do go away, then I will send him to you. And when he comes, he will convict the world of its sin and of God's righteousness and of the coming judgment. One of the things I want you to notice in that verse is Jesus said, it's the best thing for you that I leave and the Holy Spirit shows up. And he says this because think about this for a second. What if Jesus were to come back right now in bodily form to this earth? Now, we know the Bible says that he will come back again one day to reign and rule. But what if, put that aside for a second, what if he just showed up? He just showed up in bodily form, and he showed up in Trustville, Alabama, right? He showed up in Trustville, Alabama, and he showed up at guess which church? First Baptist, of course, because it's always First Baptist, right? That's where it's the biggest church in town. So he shows up at First Baptist Church. Guess what would happen to this church? It would absolutely dissolve. Everybody would leave the church and go to First Baptist Church. Why? Because Jesus is there preaching. And some of you are like, no, pastor, I'd stay with you. No, you wouldn't because I would go too. I would leave and lock the door behind me, right? Like, forget this. I'm going to go be with Jesus. But think about the city of Trustful. We're building houses left and right, and, and Stockton is like its own city now. It's so big, and, and you've got all these houses popping up everywhere. But what would happen to the city of Trustful? The city of Trustful would be overrun with people. We would flood the streets. Like People would come from all over the world. There wouldn't be enough boats and planes to bring people in if Jesus showed up in bodily form today. There wouldn't be an impact on the world because all of a sudden all the Christians would get upset because we didn't get to see Jesus. I drove all the way to Trustful. I didn't get to see him. I didn't make it as far as Birmingham because of all the cars and all the... So when he left, he sent the Spirit. Why? Because the Spirit can do more than a body can do. The body had a role and a job that it had to do to be sacrificed, to be raised again. But now the Spirit's job is to reach the entire world. Look at what he says. He says, if I do go away, then I will send him to you. Verse 8. And when he comes, he will convict who? Not Jerusalem of sin, not Judea of sin, not the neighborhood of sin. He said he'll convict the world of sin and of righteousness. The Holy Spirit's job is to reach the entire world. It couldn't be done with Jesus in bodily form. It would have to be done with the Spirit of God moving in and through all of us. So he's essential, which means we can't ignore him. We can't ignore him. You can't just go through reading your Bible and skip all the parts that talk about the Holy Spirit. You can't go your life reading the Bible and skip the book of Acts. It's the best book in the Bible. You can't skip that. It's awesome. But we do that. A lot of denominations, a lot of churches, a lot of pastors. Um, there are plenty of pastors that I know that will not talk about the Holy Spirit because they're afraid of what people are going to think. And I'm just kind of getting over the idea of being afraid of what people think. At some point, this world's going to end. And if we don't know what the book says, we're going to be in trouble. Right? So the second thing that the Holy Spirit is, is Holy Spirit is present. Holy Spirit is present. That may not mean much to you, but if you think about the whole Bible, not just the New Testament. In the whole Bible, the Holy Spirit was never always present. He was situational and temporary. In other words, 
Um, when you read through the Bible, especially in the Old Testament, you'll find times when the Bible says, and the Spirit came upon so-and-so, right? So the Spirit would come upon somebody, and then the Spirit would leave that person. Because God had a plan and a job for people to do, and there were times He knew that that person couldn't do it on their own. He had to give them the Spirit of God. There are other times in the Bible it just absolutely baffles me, and, and I'm so thankful that I don't understand everything in the Bible, because if I did, I would be God, right? So, so there are even times in the Bible where, where God's Spirit came upon people to do amazing things, only to distract them to let other people get away. Like, literally, there's a place in the Bible in the Old Testament where King Saul is a mean king, and he's um, trying to kill David. And on his way to try to find and kill David, the Bible says that the Spirit of God came upon Saul, and he began to prophesy. Total distraction. Saul wasn't even serving God. He begins to prophesy. Why? Because David needed to get away. It's amazing what the Spirit of God can do. So the Spirit of God would be on people temporarily and then leave. But the cool thing is, in the New Testament, ever since Jesus left, because he's essential, he's permanent. So check this out. John chapter 14. We'll read Jesus again. He's always good. Verse 15. If you love me, obey my commandments. And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate. We'll get into what that word means in just a second. Who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him. If you're taking notes today, highlight that word looking for him. Or or, or write that in your side notes because it's going to come up later. That's very important. Jesus says the world can't receive the Holy Spirit because they're not looking for him. That doesn't make sense now, but it will later. And doesn't recognize him. But you know him. Listen to the words that Jesus says. Because he lives with you now. And later will be where? In you. Jesus says the Holy Spirit is around you right now. There is proximity to the Spirit now. But when I leave and I send him on his mission... He will not only be in proximity to you, he will be present inside of you permanently. To me, that's amazing. To think that the very God that created the world, when the Bible says in Genesis 1 that the Spirit of God hovered over the deep, that same Spirit that spoke life into existence doesn't want to just be around me, wants to be in me. That's pretty cool. That's pretty cool. And so that's what he is for us. He is present. Here's the other thing that the Holy Spirit is, is the Holy Spirit is our guide. Now, I want to look at that word advocate for just a second, because I've used it twice now without explaining it. The word advocate there is a a Greek term. It's actually a law term, right? So if anybody's a lawyer in here, then you might would understand this a little bit better. It's a law term. It, It means a couple of different things. It means guide, comforter, counselor, and it means encourager. You think about what a good lawyer does. A good lawyer stands beside you in court when everybody else is accusing you of all kinds of stuff. A good lawyer stands beside you in court and the good lawyer says, hey, don't worry, everything's going to be okay, I got you. He encourages you. The good lawyer gives you counsel and guidance on what to say and what not to say and, and how to do and what to do, right? A good lawyer gives you counsel and guidance and stands beside you. A good lawyer is gonna is gonna help you get through the issues. When Jesus says, I'm going to send you an advocate, he uses this law term that I guess in those days, the guys around him, the disciples, understood that very well. And it just clicked with them. We're going to have somebody living inside of us that's going to guide us and direct us 
Because so far, only Jesus has guided and directed them. But they're saying now, his very spirit is going to be in me to lead me and guide me and direct me. And when things are going bad and everybody's accusing me of doing wrong and and people want to kill me for my faith, that he's going to be there to counsel me and comfort me and tell me what to do. And Jesus is like, exactly right. That's what's going to happen. The other day, I was... um, And I want to say this about Holy Spirit. I believe I'm one of those weirdos. I think that God um, wants to be involved in just about every part of our life, right? I, I really do. I just, I just hate to think that there's a God that loves me but doesn't care about the little things. And so I believe he does care about the little things. So the other day I decided it was, it was uh, I had to do my taxes. And, um, and I never do my taxes, but I waited so long. And Eric told me that if I give my CPA my taxes now, that he would hate me. And so I was like, okay, um, I'm just going to do my taxes myself, right? And so I called my brother-in-law, and he's like, get TurboTax, super easy, right? And, and if TurboTax is watching, um, sorry, man, you guys just really messed me up. And so I'm doing TurboTax, and TurboTax was like, you owe $10,000. And I was like, what? $10,000? I don't even make, ten- no, I, I make more than that. But, but I was like, $10,000? I don't have $10,000 to give the government, and, and I don't want them to have all my money. And so then I'm, start- I'm freaking out a little bit, right? I'm getting scared. And so, uh, and so I call Eric, and I was like, hey, man. Uh, this is bad. You know, this is real bad. And, and Eric was like, well, do you have your old returns? And I was like, yeah, I've got them somewhere. I'll have to find them. And he said, well, why don't you, you know, just call your CPA. Like, stop being stupid. Don't do this yourself. And so my brother-in-law is a CPA, and I called my brother-in-law, and he was like, I can definitely help you. He said, but you got to have your 2019 returns. Like, I need to see those. And I was like, okay, 100%. I'm going to go grab those out of the secret drawer because our house is full of secret drawers. And so I go, I look in the secret drawer, and I'm, I'm digging through, and I find you know, 1997, right? I find 1997. I find 1997 all the way to 2016. And I'm like, why would I keep 1997 through 2016 but not have 2019? And so I'm freaking out. And so all day, I'm literally tearing my house apart trying to find 2019. I'm going everywhere. And and even to the point, like the next morning, I woke up extra early on a Saturday just to look for 2019. I look all over my house. I tell Perry, I don't know where it is. I can't find it. I'm going to drive to the church. I don't know why it would be at the church. I'm going to drive to it. So I drive all the way up here. I look all through the building. I'm in the bathroom. Like maybe, just maybe. You know, I was doing my taxes last year in the bathroom. Who knows? Like I'm looking everywhere. I go home and I get home and I'm just like, I can't find these things anywhere. And Perry's like, well, did you look in the attic? I was like, yes, I looked in the attic. You know how it is, guys, whenever your wife tells you something that you've already done three times and then you're mad. And so I climb back up in the attic because she told me to. And so I'm in the attic and I'm looking and I'm looking and I finally just stopped and I said, Holy Spirit, you know where these things are. I need you to just show me where they are. And I looked over at all the boxes of Christmas stuff. And I was like, they're not in the Christmas stuff because I already looked in the Christmas stuff. But I kept looking at that Christmas stuff and I just felt, I just felt, you need to go look in the Christmas stuff. So I walk over to the Christmas stuff and you know what I found? I found all the Easter stuff that Perry told me to look for a month ago that I told her wasn't in the attic. There it was in the Christmas stuff. And then it hit me, if the Easter stuff that wasn't in the attic is actually in the attic, in the Christmas stuff, maybe the taxes are too. And I moved a box and there was this one little skinny box in the middle of all my Christmas stuff. And I opened it up. The only thing that was in that box was 2017, 18, and 19. And I was like, God... You knew where these were the whole time. 
and why didn't you tell me yesterday? You know, it's like, seriously, this is ridiculous. Like, you're not a very good advocate, although you are, no. So he guides us and directs us. He really does. He really does. Even in finding your taxes, he guides us and directs us. In John chapter 16, uh, the Bible says this, verse 13, when the spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth. He will not speak on his own, but will tell you what he has heard. He will tell you about the future. He will guide you and direct you in everything. You need to hear that today. Because what happens sometimes is we want a preacher to tell us what's right and what's wrong. We want a preacher to give us a list of things we can do and can't do. We want a preacher to tell us how close to the line can I get before I'm in sin. And the fact is God already gave you a guide called the Holy Spirit that wants to guide you and direct you and lead you if you'll just learn how to listen to him. In Luke chapter 4, uh, the follow-up to Jesus being baptized in Luke chapter 3, the Bible says that um, as soon as he came up out of the water in Luke 4.1, Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. So right off the bat, we see that the Holy Spirit was even guiding Jesus. If the Holy Spirit is good enough to guide Jesus, he's good enough to guide us, right? And then in Galatians chapter 5, I just want to read this. It's a little lengthy, but we got a little bit of time. So let me just read this to you real quick. Galatians 5, 16 through 21. So I say, let the Holy Spirit guide your lives. If you're highlighting today in your phone or your Bible, highlight that. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. Let me pause. Sometimes we think when people do something bad or sinful, we say things like, well, they were never saved to start with. Right? They were never really a Christian. But if you were to read Galatians 5, and you were to go back up and try to get a little bit of context, Paul is talking to believers In speaking to believers, he has to use the words, let the Holy Spirit guide your life. Then you won't be doing what your sinful nature craves. In other words, yes, you're a believer, but you still have a sinful nature that wants to sin. Here's how you stop that. You let the Holy Spirit guide your life. The sinful nature wants to do evil, which is just the opposite of what the Spirit wants. And the Spirit gives us desires that are opposite of what the sinful nature desires. These two forces are constantly fighting each other, so you're not free to carry out your good intentions. But when you're directed by the Spirit, you're under no obligation to the law of Moses. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, he's talking to believers. The results are very clear. Sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again, as I have before, that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. That may need to be a whole other message we'll get into later. So we need the Holy Spirit. He's essential. He's present. And he guides us. The next thing he does, and I only have two more, is he produces life in us and through us. Today I want to focus on the in us. Next week I'll focus on the through us. But he produces life in us. In John chapter 7, verse 37 and 39, Jesus says, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood up and shouted to the crowds, Anyone that's thirsty, come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. So if you believe, you get to drink. Well, you know what I'm saying. (laughs) That sounded funny. Nobody got it, but that's good. Just me and Bobby are laughing. 
Anyone who believes me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare rivers of living water will flow from his heart. When he said living water, he was speaking of the spirit who would be given to everyone believing in him. But the spirit had not been given because Jesus had not yet entered his glory. Then in Galatians 5, 22 and 23, just to follow up from what we read earlier. But the Holy Spirit produces. So he's producing something inside of you. What is he producing? This kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things there is no law. So here's what the Holy Spirit does in you first. The first thing he does is produces living water. He produces good fruit. One of the things I hate the most... Um, coming from a Pentecostal background where so many people would get focused on the gifts and never the fruits. So they would say, well, look at me, I can prophesy. That's great that you can prophesy, but you go home and beat your wife. So don't talk to me about your prophecy. Well, I can speak in tongues. Yeah, but then you get on the phone and you gossip to every woman in, in your neighborhood. Don't talk to me about speaking in tongues when you don't have the fruit of the Spirit. You got a bunch of fake mess, is what you got. You got a bunch of noise, is what you got. But you don't have the fruit that the Holy Spirit requires to build in your life. We can't talk about gifts without having love first, without having peace and patience. Thank you very much. So here's the thing the fruit of the Spirit is the character of Christ, and it's got to be evident in our life. And that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. The Bible says that the Holy Spirit glorifies Jesus. He reveals Jesus. He starts by revealing Jesus in us. Perry and I were talking last night. We had a, a long conversation. Just She didn't even know what I was preaching today. We had this long conversation that was exactly what I was talking about. And she just said, you know, I really want, like I read the Bible and, and, and you see the power of God moving through the disciples and you see people getting healed and, and people, you know, getting saved and you see lives being transformed and changed. And she said, she said I want to see that in my life. Like, I want to see that at school. I want to see that in, in, in just my daily walk with people. I want to see that happen. And she said, sometimes I wonder, you know, what, what's wrong? Or if I don't see that, is something wrong? And, and I, said, I said, actually, though, what you need to understand is you need to understand that the first thing that God does is produces fruit in your life. And I said, I want you to think about what other teachers or parents say about you. She said, well, this one teacher said, you know, that I'm always, I always have joy, no matter what the circumstances. I said, joy is a fruit of the Spirit. That's the Holy Spirit producing something inside of you that's more meaningful right now than you healing someone. It's more meaningful right now than you prophesying over someone. And I said, now, how does that help us? That helps us because whenever that person says, Perry, you always have joy in your life. Why are you always so joyful when everything else is falling apart, but you're happy? I said, I said, right off the bat, that opens the door for you to reveal Christ to that person. I said, the reason I'm joyful is because I've got the Holy Spirit living inside of me. I've got Jesus. I've accepted him as my Savior. Like, like there's a lifestyle change that has happened in me, and there's something being produced inside of me. And people will recognize that. And it's important to have those things happen. My, my grandfather, who I never knew, I've shared this story before, but my dad's stepdad, he believed, he went to church, but he was a, very much a racist. Very much a racist. He didn't like blacks, didn't like Jews, didn't like Catholics, right? He didn't like anybody. He liked himself, I guess, sometimes. Very much a racist. 
But he was in church, and he believed in Jesus. Let, let me just tell you, the Bible says the devil believes in Jesus, right? Like, he knows who he is. So let's not get too fancy here. Then one day, my grandfather's at church. And the guy's talking about something similar to what I'm talking about, about receiving the Holy Spirit. And my grandfather, it clicks, and he says, i got to have that. And he receives the Holy Spirit, and all of a sudden, guess what happens? All of that racism was broken in an instant. In an instant. All of a sudden, he loved everybody. All of a sudden, he loved black people and white people and Jews and, and Catholics. and everybody. He loved all of them. In an instant, he was changed. Why? Because the Holy Spirit showed up in his life and produced love. Produced love. That was a fruit inside of him. It's important for us to understand that we've got to have the fruit happening. We've got to have rivers of living water flowing out of us. He is the source of that river. And we'll talk about what it means to go out later. But right now, you need to understand, what do I need from the Holy Spirit? Why is it important? Because I need these fruits growing in my life. The last thing is this. Holy Spirit is received. Now, I could get into a whole bunch of denominational doctrine and thought. And I could talk to you about baptism in the Holy Spirit and infilling in the Holy Spirit and indwelling of the Holy Spirit and receiving the Holy Spirit. I could talk about all that stuff. But can I be honest with you? Most people that talk about that, I'm not smarter than them, but they just talk about their preference. They don't talk about the Bible. Because the fact is the Bible uses a lot of those words interchangeably anyway. So we're going to use the word receive because I feel like the word receive was spoken first. And Jesus used it, and Peter used it, and Paul used it. And those three dudes know more about God than I will ever know. So i got to stick with what they said. In Acts chapter 2, verses 36 through 38, Peter says this, So let everyone in Israel know for certain that God has made this Jesus whom you crucified to be both Lord and Messiah. Peter is giving people the way to be born again. How do I get saved? Peter says, number one, you've got to believe. You've got to believe that he's Lord and Messiah. You've got to believe he forgives you of your sins and he is the Lord of your life. And then he says, uh, verse 37 says, his, his words pierced their hearts. And they said, what should we do? Peter gives them three more steps. So step one, he says, you've got to believe. Step two, he says, you must repent of your sins and turn to God. And we talk about repentance all the time. We say it's a good thing. It's a, it should be active in your life. You should be repenting, Right? And, and, and even the word believe, the Bible, when the Bible uses the word believe, it, it's, a, it's a Greek uh, term. It doesn't mean believe, it means believing. And so when the Bible says, John three sixteen, 16, um, whoever believes, right? It says whoever goes on believing is what it means in the Greek. So it's active. Belief is active. It's everyday believing. Repentance is something I do on a regular basis. And then he says, the only thing he says in here that's a one-time thing is he says, uh, you must be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins. That's water baptism. But then he says, then you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That word receive there is an active term, not a passive term. When we've talked about receive before, we've thought about a gift at Christmas. My son, Colt, wants a football, Right? So I could give him the football by just handing it to him, and he takes it very passive. But that Greek term, excuse me, that Greek term means this, to take hold of, right? 
to take hold of. In other words, it means I'm actively going and grabbing what is set aside for me. There is a gift set aside for me, and I actively go and take it. Not like I'm snatching it away, but I actively go take it. So, so when, Paul said, when Peter says that you will receive, he's not saying, oh, if you just believe, then one day, poof, Holy Spirit's going to show up in your life. He says, no, you've got to receive it. Like, you've got to go get it. There's something you've got to do. And I know right off the bat, you're like, nope, that's not true, because my pastor told me in Sunday school that that wasn't true. Well, let's just read the Bible some more. I want to just show you real quickly that all of these things are separate acts. Sometimes we want to lump them all together that it all happens at one time. It can, but in the Bible, it shows them all being separate. Check this out. In Acts chapter 8, in Acts chapter 8, when the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, I'm going to try to go fast, so listen hard. They sent Peter and John there. So they've already accepted, right? They believe. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for the new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Then Peter and John laid their hands on these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. Three separate things. They believed, they were baptized, they received. Okay? Acts 9, 19 through through, uh, 17 through 19, when Paul got saved. His name was Saul at the time. So Ananias went and found Saul. He laid his hands on him and said, Brother Saul. Right off the bat, Brother Saul means he's already a believer. Right? Context clues. He's already a believer. Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road has sent me so that you might regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Instantly something like scales fell from Saul's eyes and he regained his sight. Then he got up and was baptized. Three things. Believed. Holy Spirit, baptize. Acts 10. I'm going to do two more, I promise. Acts 10, 48 through 40, uh, 44 through 48. Even as Peter was saying these things, Peter is preaching to, the, to uh, Cornelius, this guy who's not a Jew, right? At the time, Jews were the only ones listening to the message. Cornelius is not a Jew. He's a Roman. And Peter's talking to this Roman. And it says, even as Peter was saying these things, the Holy Spirit fell upon all who were listening to the message. So they were believing, and then what happened? The Holy Spirit showed up, and they received it. Then the Jewish believers who with Peter were amazed that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out on the Gentiles too, for they heard them speaking in other tongues and praising God. Then Peter asked, can anyone object to their being baptized? Now that they have what? Received the Holy Spirit just as we did. So he gave orders for them to be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. Afterwards, Cornelius said, uh, whatever. They stayed with them for a few days. Three things happened. They believed. They received, and then they were water baptized. So Peter got it all kinds of out of order, right? Because I don't think God really cares about that. He just cares about what's happening. And then Acts chapter 19, last one. Paul is walking along, and he meets some disciples from Ephesus. And when he meets these guys, he, it's evident by the context clues that he already recognized the fact that they were believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed, he asked them. No, they replied. We haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. That's where a lot of us live right now, right? And, and later they said, we've only been baptized in water. So they believed they needed to receive. And they had already been baptized in water. Separate things happening. Now we can talk about our theology of, you know, when I, when I believed, then immediately the Spirit of God lived inside of me. The Bible just doesn't always back that up. It does say 
I can receive the Spirit. Sometimes it happens instantaneously, sometimes it doesn't, but it's an action on your part and my part every time. Who thinks they can catch a pass? Anybody think they can catch a pass? Nobody wants to catch a pass. Nobody wants I don't want to hurt anybody. All right, you want to give it a try? Oh, Carrie, you're standing up. All right, here we go. So I'm just going to throw this ball at Carrie. Carrie caught the ball. Good job, Carrie. Man, I was a little bit nervous, to be honest with you. Um, I tried this before with Sean, and he couldn't catch it. So, uh, so it's, it's one of those things we've got to be careful. So, so here's the thing. When a quarterback throws a pass, when I throw a pass to, to Carrie, Carrie, you're not done. Why'd you sit down? Stand up. When I throw a pass to Carrie, right, he catches it. Throw it back. I'm going to be honest with you. It gets right in that light. I can't see it. I'm just guessing. Okay, but here's what's going to happen. Carrie, you ready? I need you to be ready. Okay, because there's a lady right behind you, and she gets hit in the face. It's your fault. All right, so here we go. So I'm going to throw this pass to Carrie. Oh, then did y'all see what happened? Now, I know I'm a great quarterback, and all my other passes were right to him. He didn't have to move. But that second one, that, that throw was a little bit off. And what did Carrie have to do? He had to move. He had to actively do what? Go and receive the football. Why? Because he's playing the position of receiver, right? He had to go receive the football. It didn't just come right to him. He had to go get it, throw it back to me. Now, here's what I need you to do, Carrie. You've got to come up on stage anyway. So, in just a minute. So, Carrie, here's what I want you to do. I, I want you just to take a couple things for me here. Um, here, hold this basketball for me. All right, now, stay, don't get too close to me. All right, here we go. Ready? You're going to catch this football. Here we go. Okay, uh-oh, uh-oh, we got a problem, we got a problem. Okay, you got to hold on to your stuff, man. Stop, stop, here, give me, give me the football back. This is mine, you got to hold on to your stuff. And, and so Kerry's got his basketball, he's got all of his activities, all his friends play basketball, and he's a little bit worried about receiving the Holy Spirit because he's got that basketball. I don't want my friends, I don't want my friends to know anything about the Holy Spirit. And then he's got his doctrine, right? He's got all of his doctrine, his big, that's the biggest Bible I could find. Kerry, so here, I want you to catch this, and I don't want you to drop anything, just catch this. Um, look at that. He can do it. He can do it. He's getting better. He's getting better. But then, for whatever reason, he's got a baby carriage. There's no reason for me to have a baby carriage. But now, all of a sudden, I'm trying to throw this stuff to him. And now, whenever I throw him a pass, if it's a little off, it's... Oh, Carrie. Will, can you help me out, buddy? So, Carrie's a little bit off. Here you go. All right. So, Carrie, come here for a second. If you want to catch this ball better, what are you going to have to do? Put something down. Put something down. All right, you can go ahead and set that stuff down. Everybody give Carrie a big hand. Great job, Carrie. What we do is, is we come into life, and you may as well stay up here, Carrie. Guys, you don't come up. We go into life a lot of times, and we read this stuff, or a pastor talks to you about the Holy Spirit, and we're saying, yeah, I really want to receive. I, I like what he's saying, but we're holding on to so much stuff. We're holding on to our past. We're holding on to what some other preacher said. We're holding on to what our parents said. We're holding on to, to what happened to us at our last church when someone got weird and they got in the flesh and it wasn't in the spirit, but they said it was the spirit. Listen, I, I've grown up in church my whole life. I've been in church in America. I've been in church in other countries. And there are plenty of times when people will misuse the Holy Spirit. To do their own thing. It happens. But it doesn't devalue the Holy Spirit. Just because someone misuses his name. I mean, you imagine for just a second, what if every time someone tried to steal your identity, like if someone stole your identity and used your credit card to buy something, what if that reflected bad on you? You would hate that. Because you'd be like, it's not my fault. I had my credit card 
uh, my church credit card was stolen at a gas pump one time. Like someone got the number. And then they ordered like perfume from New York with it. And it showed up at the church. Like why they use the church address, I don't know. And Beverly was like, Gabriel, did you order weird perfume? You know, I was like, no. But what if Beverly was like, you know, Gabriel, you order perfume all the time. And you were, what if all of a sudden everything was reflected back on me? I would hate that. I'd be like, no, that's not true. That's not me. That was, that was someone else misusing my name. People, humans, misuse the Holy Spirit all the time. It doesn't devalue Him and what He wants to do in your life. So stop holding on to all of your stuff and just receive what He has for you. I want to end with this last little thing. I know I've kept you a little bit longer today, but it's a big subject to try to get through in one message. Luke chapter 11. This is where we're going to end. And so I tell you, verse 9, and so I tell you, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be open to you. For everyone who asks receives, everyone who seeks finds, and everyone who knocks, to everyone who knocks the door will be opened. Let me just explain this real quick. The word ask there in the Greek, when I looked it up, the word ask means request or petition. It also means craving or desire. There's some of you right now, you're saying, in my past, I was told that anything having to do with the Holy Spirit was of the devil. In my past, I was told to ignore anything having to do with the Holy Spirit because Pentecostals are weird and they handle snakes somewhere, right? In my past, I was told that the only thing the Holy Spirit was good for is speaking in tongues. And if I don't speak in tongues, then something's wrong with me. Listen, I've heard all of it. I've heard all of it. In my past, can can I help you today? Forget your past. And listen to what Jesus is saying. If you have a craving or desire to know something or someone, right? Keep on asking and you'll receive it. It says seek. The word seek there means to search, investigate, and also means desire. When I was looking for those tax returns, I was seeking. I wasn't looking I was seeking, right? Like, I was tearing everything apart. I was looking in the attic and in the basement, in the garage. I was looking at the church. I was looking on the side of the road. I was looking everywhere. And yet, when it comes to something as essential, or someone as essential as the Holy Spirit, we absolutely ignore it. And Jesus says, you got to investigate it. you got to search it out. You may be saying, I don't know anything about Holy Spirit. I was never taught Holy Spirit. I'm encouraging you right now. Investigate. Don't take everything I say as just gospel. You investigate it. And the next thing it says, it says knock. It says keep knocking and the door will be opened. That word knock there doesn't mean this. That word knock there means to strike the door. Other terms say to strike it with a stick. In other words, I beat the door down. How bad do you want God to move in your life? How bad do you want life more abundant? I don't just want life in eternity. I want life right here on earth. I want something powerful. I'm sick and tired of playing Christianity. I'm tired of just saying words. I want something powerful in my life. How do I get it? 
I better beat the door down. I better look under every couch, every nook, every cranny. I better crave and desire the information that he has. Verse 11 says, You fathers, if your children ask for a fish, do you give them a snake instead? Or if they ask for an egg, do you give them a scorpion? Isn't it interesting that Jesus used terms like snake and scorpion, which are both used for devils. And some people say anything having to do with the Holy Spirit is of the devil. Jesus says, Jesus says, the Father's not going to give you anything demonic. He's not going to give you anything bad. How much more will your Heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to those who ask Him? Why don't you stand up with me today? Now, I feel like that was really good for... I'm not saying that was good. No, no, I didn't mean it like that. Sorry, 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 sorry. I feel like that was really good. Y'all should clap for me right now. No, I feel like that, that portion of the message is really good for people that came up in a background where you didn't learn anything about the Holy Spirit. Or you may have learned that things about the Holy Spirit were bad. I feel like that part is really good for you. But there's some people in the room today that you grew up with an understanding of the Holy Spirit. And so... I haven't really stepped on your toes that much today, so let's just step on all the toes real quick. Whenever the Bible said, I read to you earlier in Acts chapter 19, verse 2, when Paul said, um, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The the translation there, uh, when they translated it out, there are three different ways that it was translated out, all being correct. And and one of the translations was, uh, did you receive... When you believe. Like, in that moment, did you receive? And that, that could be taken as 100% correct. And then there was another translation that, where they said, no, I, I think it's, did you receive, or have you received since you believed? So in other words, you believed in January, and now we're in April. Have you received the Holy Spirit in that time frame? And, and they said, yeah, that, that could be correct. And then there was a third translation of the Greek that came out, and the third translation was... Have you been receiving the Holy Spirit since you believed? So let me just hit all of you that come from a a charismatic, Pentecostal background. That you think, we think we've got the corner marketed on Holy Spirit stuff. Have you been receiving every day? Every day, have you been trying to take hold Every day, have you been dropping stuff that gets in the way? Every day, are you going to God saying, God, you know what? You've got everything, and I've got nothing, and I want you. And today, I receive you. Yesterday, I messed up. I didn't let you guide me. I didn't let you lead me. I did my own thing. But today, I receive you. Today, I'm pursuing you. Today, I crave you. And then tomorrow morning when you wake up, do you wake up and say, Today, I'm asking for you. Today, I'm knocking on the door. Why? Is it that God only gives us portions of Holy Spirit? No, God doesn't give us portions of Holy Spirit, but we find ourselves doing this way too often. And there's only so much we can receive until every day I got to set something else aside. Every day I set a little bit of pride aside. Every day I set a little bit of discouragement aside. Every day I set a little bit of temptation aside. Every day I set a little bit of laziness aside. And I've got to pursue and go after Him and receive every day. We said earlier... That believing is believing, ongoing. Repentance is an action we do all the time. Why isn't receiving something we can do every 
single day. So stop talking about what happened in 1987. And let's talk about what happened this morning when you woke up. That's what's important. I'm not going to keep talking. I need to shut up. I want to pray for you today. And you know what I don't want to do? The Bible says that there's no one way for people to receive the Spirit. The Bible doesn't give us a clear definition. As a matter of fact, there are times the Bible says that someone laid hands on someone. There are times Peter was just preaching. Like Peter didn't even get done with the message. He got interrupted. The Holy Spirit said, Peter, I'm tired of you talking. I'm going to start doing my work right now. There are times when people are just seeking. And so today, you, you may not be in a place to receive. Maybe today you need to work through some of this old stuff. So maybe for you today, it's a, it's a prayer of, I need to seek. I need to knock. I need to ask. Wherever you are today, I just want to pray over you and with you today. So let's bow our heads, close our eyes. Nobody looking around. Let's get focused on what God's doing in our life. As a matter of fact, Holy Spirit, I just invite you into this place right now to speak to us. To speak to us, to, to talk to us, to, to show us, reveal some things to us. So the Bible says that you reveal the truth. And, and I believe that today you want to reveal the truth of who we are and what you want to do in us. Because I believe there's some people in this room that, that are ripe for the power of God to move in them and through them. I believe right now there are people in this room that just like the disciples are ready to turn the world upside down. But God, today we cannot do it alone. We've got to have your spirit producing fruit and living water inside of us and through us. But God, our background holds us back. Our past holds us back. Our doctrine holds us back. And today, we just want to start laying some things aside. And today, we want to just start saying, God, today I receive you. And if I don't understand that completely, that's okay. Because I'm seeking you. I'm asking you. I'm knocking on every door. Because I want to know you. I want to know you in your fullness. I don't want to ignore you anymore. I don't want to stick you in a closet somewhere. I don't want to just just get by with two-thirds of the Trinity. I want everything that God has for me. If that's you today, I want you to pray that prayer. You pray that prayer on your own. You begin to tell God that this week you want to seek Him. This week you you want to ask Him. This week you want to knock on the door. And this week you want to know Him. If you're at home today, pray this prayer. You pray this prayer. You don't quit just because you're sitting at home. The Holy Spirit wants to do a work in your life, even at your house today. He doesn't understand walls. So God, today we just invite you. We invite your spirit into our lives today. We invite you to come in and do whatever it is that you want to do. And we don't come in with preconceived notions. We're not coming in saying certain things are going to happen because, God, at the end of the day, it's all about you and it's not about me anyway. It's whatever you want to do in me. Even as the pastor of this church, Holy Spirit, I invite you into my life today because I don't want to just preach words. Paul said the kingdom of God is not about words. It's about power. And, God, I want power. God, I want lives to be changed and and, and hearts to be changed. I don't want people to come in and out of this room and never be changed by your spirit, God. And so, so today we just invite you into our band, God. We invite you. We invite your, your very presence, your very spirit to live in us and move through us. 
Because we can't just play a concert, God. We want to have a real experience with you. And so we invite you into this house. In Jesus' name, amen.